The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 16 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour episodes of Box 13, starring Alan Ladd. We'll begin after this short break. In 1947, motion picture actor Alan Ladd created Mayfair Transcription Company, a radio syndication company. Mayfair developed several radio series, including the Damon Runyon Theater and Box 13. The latter covered the exciting escapades of a newspaper man turned mystery novelist by the name of Dan Holliday. Ladd starred as Holliday, and Sylvia Picker appeared as his scatterbrained secretary, Susie. To seek new ideas for his fiction, Holiday ran a classified ad in the Star Times newspaper where he formerly worked. Adventure wanted? We'll go anywhere, do anything. Write Box 13, Star Times. On each weekly episode, a letter would appear in Holiday's mailbox, setting him off on an adventure to help someone in trouble. Russell Hughes, who had previously hired Ladd as a radio actor in 1935, for $19 a week, wrote most of the scripts, sometimes in collaboration with Ladd. 52 Box 13 radio episodes were produced, and Ladd attempted to convert the series to television in 1954, but it did not sell. It's time now for the first of two adventure episodes of Box 13. In this first one, millionaire Charles Winthrop craves excitement. He hides $100,000 in cash, and Dan is pitted against a killer who will stop at nothing to find it. Here's The Better Man, starring Alan Ladd in Box 13. Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Box 13, care of Star Times. Your advertisement in the paper has intrigued me. Naturally, I wonder whether you are serious or insane. Either way, I think I should like to meet you and uh, perhaps offer a proposition which may intrigue you. Incidentally, there is $100,000 concerned. Does that get your interest? If it does, I shall expect you at dinner tomorrow night. expect you at dinner tomorrow night at eight. It will be informal, so don't bother to dress. Yours for adventure, Charles Winthrop. <laughs> Does a hundred thousand dollars interest me, yes. Brother, that much money would put new life in a mummy.
And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, The Better Man. Charles Winthrop. Charles Winthrop. You know, Mr. Holliday, that name sounds awfully familiar. Well, it should, Susie. Mr. Winthrop is one of the richest men in the country. Oh, sure. I remember now. He, he's a regular crisis. A what? Don't you know, Mr. Holliday? Crisis was a rich king. Oh, don't you know, Susie? Croesus, not Crisis, was a rich king. Oh, someday I'll pronounce something right. <laughs> you do and you'll lose your job. Okay, Susie, it's dinner tonight with Charles Winthrop to see what's on that mind of his. Cigar, Mr. Holliday? No, thanks. Uh, more coffee, perhaps? I don't think so, thanks. <laughs> Curious, Holliday? Very. <laughs> All right, my boy. We'll take care of that shortly. Oh, excuse me. I want to tell my butler he needn't stay around. Oh, William? William, come here a moment, will you? Whatever Mr. Charles Winthrop had on his mind, it was hugely funny to him. All through dinner, he'd stop eating, slap his thigh, and laugh. <laughs> and I wasn't saying anything funny either. Oh, William. I watched him as he told the butler what he wanted. I got a kick out of him. Short, thin, little man with wisps of gray hair that kept floating over his spectacles. And when he talked, he craned his neck forward like an inquisitive bird, his little eyes twinkling. Oh, he was enjoying a great joke, and I, I wondered what it was. All right, Holiday. We'll be alone and we can chin a little. <laughs> Think I'm crazy, huh? <laughs> Mr. Winthrop, any man who can collect about 20 millions is crazy like a fox. <laughs> oh, money isn't everything. <laughs> no, some people die young. <laughs> Touche. Now, let's get right to the point. As I understand it, you advertise for adventure to get uh, plots for your uh, fiction, right? Right. So I'd say you'd like my little proposition. Well, that all depends. Ah, surely. Well, someplace in this city, I have hidden a packet containing a hundred $1,000 bills. You hear me? I'm afraid I did. No one knows where it is but me. But you can find out. I know a lot of people who would like to find a hundred thousand. Oh, I know. That's why I thought of this wonderful thing. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. What wonderful thing? Ever been to Tibet, Holiday? Not recently. Uh, oh, China, India, Japan, Africa, Malaya. What are you getting at? At me. I've been to all those places, Holiday. I went before they stank up the streets with gasoline, commercialized the pyramids, lighted up the tombs with floodlights, and made the world just one long, big bore. And? Well, I'm tired of being bored. I want excitement. So you hit $100,000 where you can find it. What's exciting about that? <laughs> You're going to hunt for it. I am. Huh? So are three other persons whom you don't know, whom you've never seen. And these three other persons have never seen you. Ooh, we'll be a cozy little crowd. Oh, think so. But never mind that for a minute. Now, I take it uh, you've got a good income, huh? Not like yours. But then I never eat caviar. But you're, you're, you're comfortably fixed, eh? All right, yes. Oh, magnificent. That makes it perfect. I'll have a grand time. Oh. Well, drop me a postcard. I'll keep in touch. Oh, no, wait, wait. If you find the money, I will match it with another 100000 and give it to any charity or cause you name. Oh, cancer research, infantile paralysis fund, or any of a dozen. Or split the entire amount any way you want. Now, how's that? Sounds good. Now, what's the rest of this? Ah. 
At midnight tonight, after you leave, I will drop four letters in the mailbox. These four letters will be identical. Each will contain the first clue to the whereabouts of the money. The first clue will lead to the next and to the next. And so on until the money is found. Is that it? Exactly. Each of the four persons concerned will receive one of those letters at the same time. And the hunt will be on. I take it you had one of these cozy little dinners for each of the other three. Yes, that's right. Each one agreed. Each one agreed to turn the money over to charity? Oh. <laughs> Maybe I'm bringing back vaudeville. I'm killing you. No, 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 no. Now, this is what makes the plan so perfect. One of the persons is a man who would kill to get that much money. Oh, I chose him well. Oh, no. He'll not turn the money over to charity. I see. And the others in this little game? Well, no, I'm not so sure. But $100,000 is a lot of money. I've watched people grab and cut each other's throats for much less, Holiday. In other words, you'd send four people against each other to amuse yourself. No thanks, Winthrop. I'll take my hat and some clean, fresh air. Well, after all, Mr. Holiday, you, you, you advertised adventure wanted. That's right. And that's not an entry blank into a cutthroat game to amuse a cynical old man who's down to his last 20 million. So long. Uh, wait. What for? Now, listen. Those other three who are going after the money. Now, now, one is a man to whom the money would mean cheap nightclubs, gambling, and everything else his stupid mind thinks is life and living. Uh, the other two would keep the money, I'm sure. Unless you keep them from getting it. Oh, but I won't. I'll watch them play my game and let the one who wins take the stakes. But you, Holiday. What makes you think 100000 wouldn't tempt me? Oh, I got my money by knowing people. So? You got the chance to get $200,000 for a worthy cause if you play. And if I don't? The money will still go to one of the other three. And I'm inclined to think the killer will win, unless uh, he's playing against a smarter man. Well? What if someone gets killed? How will you feel? <laughs> no better, no worse than now. Did you ever stop to think it would be the same as murder? What law could touch me, Holiday? I hid the money, I give out the clues. If someone gets killed, the money is the murderer, not me. I see. Of course, if you refuse, you can always think of how much good the money could have done. Why, you... <laughs> I'll send out the letters at midnight, Holiday, four of them. You'll get yours in the morning. So you have all night to make up your mind whether the money is squandered by a cheap, stupid fool... Or help some of humanity. I went home. I went to bed. I didn't sleep much. I had dreams. Dreams that featured the grinning, weazened face of old man Winthrop, thousand dollar bills, sick kids in hospitals. They changed places with each other all night. Then in the morning. All right. All right. Who is it? Special delivery, Mr. Holliday. Okay, thanks. Shove it under the door. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. It was from Winthrop. At first, I wanted to burn it. Forget the whole thing. Because the thought of people running around a city fighting over that money made me... Well, it made me a little sick. Then, well, I guess I was mad at Winthrop at his cynical attitude that the killers would always win. I opened the letter and later in my office listened to Susie read it. High swings the hunter, his dog's eye bright. Where science is king, the clue will be right. What's it mean, Mr. Holliday? I don't know. High swings the hunter, his dog's eye bright. Hunter? Hunter? Me? 
and his dog's eye bright. I never saw a dog with only one eye, or, or a hunter with a dog's eye. His dog. And why, where science is king. Gee, I never saw a puzzle like this one before. Well, old man Winthrop is certainly having his fun. I, I worked out a puzzle once about movie stars. Uh, the names were all jumbled, see? And, and, Susie. And... Hmm? Susie, say that again. Say what? What kind of a puzzle did you work out? One about movie stars. Why? Stars, stars, stars. Susie, you're wonderful. Am I? Absolutely magnificent. Here. Mr. Holiday, you... you kissed me. All that in a raise, too. But what did I say? The dog star, Susie, the dog star. What dog star? Hand me that encyclopedia quickly. Gee. Here. Now. Now. Dog star, dog star. Ah, here. Here, listen. The dog star, or Sirius, brightest star in the sky, in constellation Canis Major, the great dog. Oh, but what about the hunter? Listen, Sirius may be seen below and to the left of the constellation Orion, the hunter. That's it, Susie. High swings the hunter, his dog's eye bright. Uh-huh, but what about the next line? Where science is king, the clue will be right. Uh, I don't know, but it's got to have something to do with Orion, the hunter. Uh, listen, Susie, I'm going to find out a few things. I'll be at the Star Times for the next half hour. Okay, I'll say one thing for Winthrop. He made the game fun to play. That is, if keeping one step ahead of a killer was any fun. Anyway, at the Star Times, I talked to the science editor. <laughs> say, what the devil are you up to, Dan? Hey, look, Lou, give me some help, will you? If I can, sure. What's your problem? Uh, read this. What is all this? Never mind now. I'll explain later. But Orion is the hunter. Oh. I see. Well, what do you want to know? What about Orion? Does it does it swing high? Sure. It rises roughly in the east, swings upward in an arc, and then sets. When is it at its highest? Oh, I should say around midnight. 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 Okay, now what about that where science is king line? Make anything out of that? Mm, well, I should say science is king at an astronomical observatory. At least that would tie in with the rest of this doggerel. Lou, Lou, you're wonderful. <laughs> Oh, by the way, Lou, there's an observatory in town, isn't there? Sure, the Winthrop Observatory. The Winthrop? Mm-hmm. Somebody managed to squeeze a few shekels out of the old boy to build the thing. He insisted it carry his name. So, so it all fits. Okay, Lou, tonight I'm going to be a stargazer. <laughs> It was hard to wait through the rest of the day, but I made it. When that night I drove up the long, winding road that led to the Winthrop Observatory. <laughs> Again, the old man picked his spot nicely. It was dark, and a creeping, damp fog settled down in curling waves. There wasn't a light within ten miles. Then I broke out of the fog, and the mountain leveled off. In the sky, the stars were big and bright. And I came to the end of the road... From here on, it was shoe leather instead of horsepower. I looked up in the sky. Swinging up in front of me was Orion. Below and to the left of him, a white star shimmered in the night sky. Sirius, the dog star. I looked at my watch. The luminous hands were almost straight up. Okay, midnight, Orion, Sirius. Then what? Who's that? Well, well, well. Mr. Holiday. Winthrop. Yes, yes, indeed. Didn't think I missed the fun, did you? Well, come on, Holiday. Straight ahead. 
Hey, on the park. <laughs> Good evening, Holiday. <sighs> what now, little rich man? <laughs> so you figured it out, huh? Why else would I be here? Very clever. All right. Here's an envelope. What do I do with it? Oh, there's another clue in it. The second. Oh. How long does this go on? <laughs> I'm having such a wonderful time, I'd like it to go on forever. But I'll play the game fairly. One more after this, and that's all. I see. You're really making this great for yourself, aren't you? <laughs> You'll be at each stop, I suppose. Oh, oh, yes. And I wonder how many clues I'll have to give out. What do you mean? Well, only you and one other person showed up here tonight. What? One other? Yes. And guess who it was? Do I have to guess? No, oh, I'll tell you. The only person beside yourself was the gentleman who would play rough. Very rough. I'm afraid, Holiday, that from now on, you'd better watch yourself. Now back to The Better Man, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. It was like playing tag with a, a ghost or fighting a mist. I don't know why I kept at it, except by this time I would have crawled across the Sahara Desert in an overcoat to get that money from Winthrop. When I left him at the observatory, I went to my apartment. There I opened the envelope. Oh... This one was better than the first. It said, He's king, yet a slave. And free, yet a captive. And we, who are weaker, are yet stronger. Those whom he ruled are close to his might, yet fear him not by day or by night. Now, this made a lot of sense, and it was after three in the morning when I finally gave up on it and went to sleep. Mr. Holiday, it just doesn't make sense. Come on, Susie, think. Say anything. Anything what? He's he's king, yet a captive. How can he be king and yet be a captive? That's the point. If we figure that out, we've got the rest. I never was good at riddles. I... Come in. You, Dan Holiday? Yeah, that's right. I want to talk to you. Who are you? Makes no difference. Can you get rid of the dame? not a dame. I'm a secretary. Blow, will you? Hey, wait a minute, bud. Didn't you get in the wrong act? Sit down, Holiday. I'm not tired. Okay, stand then. Get rid of the dame. Susie, run down to the Star Times and pick up the mail, will you, please? All right, Mr. Holiday. But tell him I'm not a dame. Okay. Maybe you know why I come here, huh? I can make a good guess. Well, that's swell. Now we don't have to beat each other's brains out. I didn't know we were booked for it. You could use 50 grand, couldn't you? Keep talking. All right, look. What's the sense in both of us running around in this rat race? You the rat? Don't talk like that, Holiday. Why don't you get to the point? Okay. You and me got the only clues. We team up. We're each 50 grand to the good. <laughs> Which means you can't figure out this second clue from Winthrop. Maybe. If you had it figured, you wouldn't be here now. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm, that's right. What do you say? What if I won't make it a duet? What makes you think you'll get to that money? Nothing, right now. I asked a question. What do you say? The answer is no. That final? 
You can close the books, lover boy. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. How did you know who I was and where to find me? I didn't know you or where to find you. You figure it, Holiday. You got the brains. But get this. I'll be right on your trail from now on out. If you change your mind about that split, put an ad in the agony column of the papers. I'll see it. So long. flat-eyed character knew me. But Winthrop said none of us would know each other. So I looked up Winthrop's number in the phone book, dialed it, and... Hello? Winthrop? Yes? Oh, is this holiday? Look, uh, I just had company. No. Yes, thanks for sending him, Winthrop. How did you know I did? Don't give me that house, but he knew who I was. I had to put a little uh, little zip into the game, Holiday. He's such a charming fellow, isn't he? Okay, you've had your belly laugh, but that's it. Oh, you're not quitting. I don't like to be thrown to the lions. What did you say? I said I... I... <laughs> well, go on. He's king. Got a captive. King of the beasts. The lion. Wonderful. Now all you have to do is follow it up. Nothing doing. So close, Holiday, and all you have to do is be careful. I'm beginning to like you less and less. <laughs> I'm not a likable person. However, whether you go on or not is your affair, but I should be very disappointed in you if you didn't. Hello. 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 had the choice, and I was itching to get even with Winthrop. Somehow I was beginning to suspect he had no intention of letting go of $100,000, and that made up my mind for me. I figured out the rest of his little note, and the only place I could see a lion free, yet captive, was at a zoo. So it was to the zoo I went. The park was crowded, kids, grown-ups, all milling around. Then I came to the lion pits, those semi-natural habitats without bars. I drifted close with the rest of the cloud, leaned over the iron railing that ran along the edge of the moat, and then... Get it! Uh, hey! Oh, hey! 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 Hang on, give me your hand, quick! Oh, pull me up, will you? Yeah, hang on! Come on! Oh, hey, I... Hey, mister, what was you trying to do? I didn't try it. Thanks for helping. Brother, they almost had real fresh meat. What'd you do, lean over too far? Yeah, much too far, and I had help. Lucky you thought to grab that rail. <sighs> it was a good thought. Thanks again. That's okay, mister. Boy, oh boy, that was better than Frank Buckley. Well, well, well. Did you uh, have a little trouble, Holiday? Winthrop. Ah, pretty close, wasn't it? Did, uh, did someone shove you? You guess, Winthrop. Yeah, what some people will do for money. Winthrop, you're not very big. A nice, easy shove, and you'd be where I almost went. Oh, but you won't, Holiday. You won't because you're not the type that kills. Now, your anxious friend is different from you. <laughs> I don't know what keeps me from seeing how tightly your head's on your neck. Oh, you don't like me. All right, Holiday. You've reached the end of the trail. Be at my home at eight tonight. <laughs> Thank you.
It was 8 o'clock when I walked up the steps in front of the Winthrop home. There were little chills chasing each other on bicycles up and down my spine. But I rang the bell. Oh, good evening, Holiday. Come in. What have you got lined up for tonight? Come this way. Ah, in here. Sit down, Holiday. Thanks. <laughs> I suppose you'd call all this quite fantastic, wouldn't you? You're insane. <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> I'm just able to indulge my whims. Most people aren't. Well, I suppose you want the money, huh? You're not kidding anybody, Winthrop. There isn't a penny hidden anywhere. Oh, yes, there is. But the game is not quite over. What do you mean? Uh, <clears throat> you may come in now. I believe you two know each other? Yeah, sure. Thanks for almost making me Daniel in the lion's den. Think nothing of it. What is this, Winthrop? Now, patience, Holiday. I have a proposition. The best part of the game. Here is $100,000 in cash. Now, you two can decide what to do about it. You can divide it equally, or may the better man take it all. I looked at Winthrop. He was grinning. I looked at the other man. He, he wasn't grinning. He was eyeing that package of money. Then he looked at me, and it was easy to see what was on his mind. And Winthrop saw it, too, because he leaned forward. A hundred thousand is much better than fifty, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> As you see, I am armed. You two are not. Suppose we decide to split. That decision will have to be unanimous with both of you. I ain't splitting it. Good! <laughs> I thought I'd chosen well in you. <laughs> well, Holiday. What if I just decide to leave? You won't, because I won't let you. I want my fun, Holiday. Don't spoil it. He looked at me with his little black eyes, and he kept that gun pointed out at me, too. I can shoot you now, and your friend here will be a witness that you attacked me. A hundred thousand dollar witness. Well? Let's get it over with. Exactly. There are no windows in this room, no servants in the house, and only one door. The money's on the desk. It will be merely a fight over money if the police come into it. <laughs> When you've had your little uh, argument, the one who's left can uh, knock on this door, and I'll come and unlock it. Good hunting, gentlemen. This is it. The man left with me got up off his chair, walked slowly toward me. I thought maybe I could reason with him. But what argument can you use on a killer? That... <laughs> Holiday. Surprise, Winthrop. Well, I... <laughs> Congratulations, Holiday. Brains and brawn. Rare combination. All right, there's the money. Take it, and I'll match it with another hundred thousand. You'll match it with a half a million. Uh, uh, what? You heard me. Your pal there is out right now, but in a minute he'll come too. And I'll leave him alone with you with that money still on the desk. But you can't. I... Get My away God. From it, Winthrop. Listen, Holiday... Now, you're not a killer. You, you, you wouldn't leave me alone with him. No. Watch. And I'll take your gun with me. And lock the door behind me. After he wakes hey, up. Wait. And I could be a witness. 
A hundred thousand dollar witness that he killed you in self-defense. You wouldn't, you... Why, you're, you're not that kind. You wanted to play dog, eat dog, now play it. I... All right, all right. What do you want? Sit down at your desk, make out a check for a half a million. We'll decide where it goes later. And we'll both go to the bank tomorrow and cash it. <laughs> Something funny? <laughs> it's just that I, I could refuse to have it honored at the bank. Yes. Yes, you could. But you won't. All right, Holiday. You've almost restored my faith in people. Give me that pen. to charity and medical research. Look, he gets his picture in the paper. Uh-huh. But you did all the work. I'll tell you something, Susie. What, Mr. Holliday? I, uh, I got even with the man who called you a dame. Satisfied now? Well, I don't know. He was kind of cute at that. Oh, no. Good night, Susie. Next week, same time... Through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville with an original story by Russell Hughes. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. The part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker. Production is supervised by Vern Karstensen. This is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. Watch for Alan Ladd in his latest Paramount picture. And that's Box 13 with The Better Man, starring Alan Ladd from February 27, 1948. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, You'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another episode of Box 13 for you after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. On this episode of Box 13, Constance McLean, a wealthy girl at a private school, asks Dan to protect her from a blackmailer, but then disappears. Here's Alan Ladd in Damsel in Distress on Box 13. Box 13. With the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. To Box 13, care of the Star Times. I am desperately in danger, I'm sure. I'm afraid to go to the police right now. So if you'll really go anyplace and do anything like your ad says. If 
you really go anyplace and do anything like your ad says. Please meet me tomorrow at 6 in the evening at the corner of Gateway and Lakeview Boulevards. Constance McLean. <laughs> you didn't know it then, but this was one time holiday you had your work cut out for you. And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure. I guess I was asking for it when I put that ad in the Star Times. But I wasn't asking for what happened this time. And I don't want it again. You see, it was... Well, might as well start from the beginning and Susie saying... Constance McLean. That's a pretty name, Mr. Holliday. Hmm. But what do you make of the letter, Susie? Make of it? Well, what do you mean? Well, take this line. I'm desperately in danger, I'm sure. Well, what about it? Well, no, it sounds like something from an old melodrama. But it's thrilling. Maybe she is desperately in danger, Mr. Holliday. Why don't you find out? You think I should, huh? Sure. You'll be just like one of the old night irritants. <laughs> Night's errant, Susie. What's the difference? They both hunted for trouble, didn't they? Well, what's good enough for a knight errant is good enough for me. I'm sorry I can't oblige you by dashing off on a white charge and wearing a tin suit. <laughs> but so long anyway, Susie. The intersection of Gateway and Lakeview Boulevards was in the fashionable suburb of the city. The kind of a neighborhood where money is the root of the most important family trees. I looked at my watch. It was six exactly. Then I heard someone coming... I waited. It was about dark. The shadows of the trees kept me from seeing who it was whispering. But a couple of seconds later... I... Uh, hello. Oh, good evening. You're uh, Constance McLean. Oh, no. No, my name's Barbara Rodney. Uh, Constance is over there. Oh, I see. Well, I'm... I'm box 13. Uh-huh. Well, what's the matter? You're different. From what? From what we thought. You mean to tell me you got me all the way out here to see what I look like? Oh, no, not at all, Mr. Thirteen. I mean, well, what is your name? Dan Holliday. Oh, that's nice. Wait a minute. Come on, honey. Come on. Oh, come on. He's right up here. Mr. Holliday, this is Constance. Connie, how do you do? How are you? She stared at me and I stared back. She was about 17, not pretty, but kind of a hungry face and eyes. I smiled at her, and she smiled back. It's awfully nice of you to come, Mr. Holliday. Well, not at all. I think anyone would come on the strength of your letter, Connie. Can we go someplace and talk? I mean, we can't stand here on the corner, can we? We could, but sitting would be better. What do you suggest? How about... How about Smudgy Mary? I beg your pardon? Well, Connie means Smudgy Mary's play. Oh. Oh, I thought for a moment you said Smudgy Mary's. We can sit down there. They have tables, and we can talk. I've got to talk to you, Mr. Holliday. Uh, Just a minute, Connie. What kind of a place is this Smudgy Mary's? It's nice. They serve ice cream and sundaes and malts. Oh, well, swell. Let's go. Is it within walking distance, or do we go in my car? Well, we can walk, can't we, Connie? Well... If you think it's safe for me. Safe? What's the matter? We'll go in your car, Mr. Holliday. 
On the way to Smudgy Mary's, I tried to draw Connie out. But she was determined to wait until we got to that paradise of ice cream and malts. The two kids chattered away, and I gathered they both went to a fashionable and ultra-ultra finishing school in the neighborhood. Then I found myself in Smudgy Mary's. Kids were all over. Nice-looking kids. And the usual jukebox. Connie and Barbara guided me to a table in the back, and we sat down. What'll you have, Mr. Holliday? What's huh, especially of Smudgy Mary's? You want one? Mm, if you do, Connie. I... No, I don't think so. Just a lemonade. Barbara? Mm, a double malt with chocolate ice cream and whipped cream on top. I'll go over and tell Mary. <laughs> we call her Smudgy because she's always got a smudge on her nose. I'll be right back. All right, Connie. Want to talk now? Right. Here, you read this. She took a crumpled piece of paper from her handbag, shoved it across the table to me. I opened it. There was a message that read, If you don't get $1,000 from your parents, they'll never see you again. The letters were cut from magazine and newspaper print. I read it twice, then asked, How did you get this, Connie? It, it came to the school for me. When? Yesterday, just before I wrote the letter to you, Mr. Holliday. Who knows about this? Just Barbara. She's my best friend. And how are you? All right, Connie. As soon as we leave here, we're going to the police. Oh, no, please. Please, Mr. Holliday, we mustn't. Why not? Well, if I did, well, well, Mother would have to know. Don't you think she should? No, she mustn't. Why not? Well, she... She isn't well, Mr. Holliday. Well, something like this would... Well, it'd make her worse. But this is very serious, Connie. Then you help me. Now, look, Connie. You're not helping other girls who may be in your position someday. Let the person who wrote this get away with it this time, and you'll try it again. Mr. Holliday, if you go to the police, I'll, I'll kill myself. I stared hard at her. Her face was more hungry than ever, and her eyes were scared. Then Barbara came back with the orders. Here we are. I brought you a specialty, Mr. Holliday. Uh, thanks, Barbara. Babs, Mr. Holliday wants to go to the police. <gasps> Sit down, Barbara. Yes, sir. Now, Connie, have you anything else to tell me? Well, I... Today, someone called me on the phone. It, it was a man's voice. He said, I should have the money by the day after tomorrow or, or I'd be sorry. That's right, Mr. Holliday. I was there when the man called. Did you recognize his voice, Connie? No, I never heard it before. I'm sure. It, it had kind of an accent. Do you know anyone that speaks like that? No, I, I said I didn't recognize him. Where are your father and mother? They're, they're away. Where? In, in Michigan. For how long? They'll be gone about two months. I see. This man said you'd have to get the money by the day after tomorrow, is that right? Yes. Well, Mr. Holliday, I'm scared. Why are you afraid to go to the police, Connie? I'm afraid what will happen if I do. To you? Yes, to me. Yes, she was scared, all right. She didn't touch a lemonade, and I couldn't touch the specialty of the house. You see, I wanted to be alive the next day. A little while later, we left Smudgy Mary's. We didn't say much. Connie, because she was scared. Barbara, because she was scared. And I... Because, well, I had an idea. It was after eight when we pulled up in front of the school where they lived in the dormitory. Connie and Barbara got out of the car. What should I do, Mr. Holliday? You sure that man said day after tomorrow? Oh, yes, I know he did. Hmm. 
All right, Connie, I'll do what I can. You'll help her, Mr. Holliday? Of course I will, Barbara. Now you two run along. I'll wait till you get inside. Go on now. I don't know how to thank you. Don't try. Just take it easy and don't worry. All right. Good night, Mr. Holliday. Good night, Connie. Barbara. Good night. I watched them until they went in. I was about to close the car door and drive away when... Mr. Holliday! Oh, Mr. Holliday! That was Connie. It didn't take long to cover the distance to the dormitory entrance. Connie! Barbara! Oh, Mr. Holliday! Look! It was under my door. This. Another letter. Give it to me quick. Oh, here comes Miss Ogilvy. She's headmistress. Oh, please, Mr. Holliday, don't show her that letter. Please, don't tell. I don't know why I stuck that letter in my pocket. Maybe it was Connie's face. Absolute terror on it. But I rammed the letter in my pocket just as... And what does this mean? Please, Miss Ogilvy. And, sir, who are you? She looked at me, and I remembered my fifth-grade school teacher. The one who didn't like me. I looked at Connie. There was a desperate, please don't tell look on her face. Barbara was as white as a sheet. I decided to be hung for a sheep as well as a lamb, Miss Ogilvy repeated. Well, sir, if you please. Girls, into your rooms. Yes, ma'am. I'm waiting, sir. Uh, I'm in the wrong house. Really? And for which house were you looking? The, uh, the Smiths. Really? Where do they live? Uh, not here, I guess. I hope you have an explanation. Well, I'm afraid I don't. Hmm. All right, I'm waiting for a streetcar. Will that do? May I have your name? If you'll just forget all about this, I'll go quietly home and lie down for a while. I'm afraid I shall have to ask you to stay. That's very kind of you, Miss Ogilvy, but I have a previous engagement. If you try to leave, I shall ring the alarm and the caretakers will stop you. <sighs> all right. What do you want me to do? Nothing. But I'm going to call the police. All right, Holiday. All right. You were in the wrong house. Why? I told you, Kling, I made a mistake. Couldn't you tell a girl's school from a private home? Besides, there's no one in the neighborhood named Smith. How do you like that? 3,000 Smiths in that phone directory, and I picked the wrong neighborhood. You should have worn a ribbon in your hair, but nobody would have noticed you. Thanks, dear. You're pretty, too. Listen, Miss Ogilvy preferred charges, trespassing, and a dozen other counts. She can make them stick. Kling, what if I said I had a good reason for being there, but I couldn't tell what it was? What would you say? The same thing I said two hours ago. Why? I can't tell you. I promised. All right, you'll spend the night in the jug. Unless I put up bail. Which I'll do. <laughs> I could have told Kling, but I kept thinking about Connie. Maybe I believed her when she said she'd kill herself if I told the police. Anyway, I kept the whole thing to myself. The next morning, I went over the second letter she'd received. It read, you have one more day to get the money from your parents. One more day. That meant today, and that was all. I did a lot of thinking, and it added up to something very, very strange... I was thinking about it when the phone rang and Susie answered it. Hello? Yes, just a minute. Mr. Holliday, Lieutenant Kling wants to talk to you. Oh? Okay, Susie, thanks. Hello? Yeah? What? When did you hear that? Okay, I'll be right over. Mr. Holliday, what's the matter? You look scared. I am, Susie. Maybe I've made a mistake. 
Connie McLean's disappeared. Back to Damsel in Distress, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Kling and I drove out to the school. He pondered at me to find out what I knew. I told him about the letter then. I had to. He was mad. I guess he had a right to be. At the school, we sat across from Miss Ogilvy and Barbara Rodney. All right, Miss Ogilvy. Let's hear what happened. Barbara, please tell us what you know. Well, I I woke up this morning. Connie and I have the same room. We know that, Barbara. Yes, ma'am. Well, I looked across to Connie's bed. She wasn't there. What time was this, Barbara? When I woke up, about 7.30. And you looked everywhere for her? Oh, yes, Miss Ogilvy. What makes you think Connie disappeared? Constance has never been tardy for a class, Mr. Holliday. And I might ask what you know about this. Your actions last Barbara, night Barbara, will not... you leave, please? I'll talk to you later. Hey, Holliday... What's the idea? Please, Kling, I want to learn something. Is it all right, Miss Ogilvy? I, uh, I suppose so. I'll be in my room. Now, Mr. Holliday? Shh. Kling, uh, tiptoe to the door. See if she's there. Huh? Please. Okay, okay. Oh, I, I'm going. I'll be in my room. Well, that's strange. I I never suspected Barbara would do a thing like that. What's on your so-called mind, Holiday? Some questions. Miss Ogilby, do you know if Connie had many dates? Dates? Yes, parties, dances. No, she didn't. Why? How about Barbara? Yes. They're very close to each other, aren't they? Inseparable. But what is this leading to? I don't know yet. Now about Connie's mother and father. Yes. Do they come to see her often? Not very. They do a great deal of traveling. Uh-huh. Thanks, Miss Ogilvy. Now, Holiday, you through playing games? No, not yet. Miss Ogilvy, isn't there some sort of dance coming up soon? I, I think I saw a notice on the bulletin board as I came through. Yes, next week. But really, I don't see how questions like these are going to find Constance. Oh, Kling. Yeah? What now? Are you going to ask me to the dance? Look, Kling, I'll get Connie back here, and no one will know anything's happened. If Miss Ogilvy will agree not to press the uh, charges against me for last night. What? Miss Ogilvy, you know it wouldn't be good for the school if this got in the papers, would it? Not at all. Oh, great. The poor kid's disappeared. She got those letters and you're worrying about the school. The letters gave her until tomorrow to get the money. All right, I've got all day. But I want to do this my way. Believe me, it's for Connie's sake. Well? I... Very well. I agree. All right with you, Kling? Oh, it has to be. Good. If I'm not back in 12 hours, bury me anyway. I was playing a hunch all the way to the finish line. If it worked, okay. If it didn't, then Dan Holliday was cooked like a hot dog at a barbecue. I had a couple of stops to make. The first one was at the Star Times. There I asked Mona, the society editor, a few questions. The McLean's? Are they the ones, Dan? Uh-huh. They got a daughter, Constance. That's right. And a hundred million or so. Where are they now? I can't tell offhand, but... Wait a minute. Back file should tell. Hmm. The Riviera, not here. 
Nice? Not here. Monte Carlo? Not here. Oh, now, please drop the opera glasses and get to the McLean's. <laughs> All right, Danny boy. Let's see. Ah, here we are. Mr. and Mrs. Randolph McLean have left for an extended vacation in Florida. Florida? You sure that's not Michigan? Well, if it is, the Florida Chamber of Commerce is going to be awful mad. Did they return yet? No. You sure? Of course I'm sure. That's my job here, remember? Okay, Mona, thanks. I'll remember you at Christmas. Once a year is all I ask. So long. There was another stop to make. And strange as it may seem, it was to see a psychiatrist. Well, what he told me checked, but good. Then I made one more visit, this time to a telegraph office. I sent a wire to Connie's parents to charter a plane and come home at once. When that was done, I was all set except for one more little item. A long talk with Barbara. I got Miss Ogilvy's permission to take Barbara for a drive in my car. But Mr. Holliday, why do you want to talk to me? Oh, maybe I just like to, Barbara. Where are we going? Is Smudgy Mary's open in the afternoon now? Yes. Okay. Let's you and I drop in for a lemonade or a malt. How about it? Well, I've really got to get back to school. Miss Ogilvy said it was all right for you to come with me. Oh. You didn't hear Connie leave the room this morning, did you? No, I didn't. And you're sure you looked all over for her? Oh, yes, everywhere. Uh-huh. Well, here's Smudgy Mary's. You know, Barbara, a diet like this will ruin my health. But come on. I... All right. Well, practically deserted. Is that Smudgy Mary? Yes, that's she. Mm-hmm. Two specials, Mary, please. Oh, really, Mr. Holliday, I don't think I can eat Let's any... Let's try the jukebox. Any particular number you'd like? No. Anyone's all right. Okay. Come on, we'll take this table over here. What do you want to talk about? Connie. What about her? Come on, Barbara. Why don't you tell me where she is? Well, because I don't know. I... Well, I'll bet she's been kidnapped. Those awful letters, they said that Those she... letters wouldn't have fooled a baby, Barbara. No kidnapper is going to ask for a thousand dollars, not when the parents are worth millions. Well, maybe... Maybe he was scared. Mm, could be. But that second letter under the door last night, the kidnapper put it there? Well, he must have. Mm-hmm. Well, how did he get in? Well, I... I guess he sneaked in. Barbara, no kidnapper goes around in brightly lighted halls shoving threatening letters under doors. I don't know where she is. Barbara, please tell me. (laughs) You won't tell anyone, will you, Mr. Holliday, please? I'm afraid I'll have to, Barbara. Maybe everything will come out all right. Now we'll save those smudgy Mary specials until later. (laughs) Right now, we're going to pick up Connie. How about it? All right, Mr. Holliday. Barbara and I drove out into the country and up where the lake sits in the hills. There were a lot of cabins around. Barbara directed me to one and I stopped the car. Is it, Barbara? Yes. You wait here. I walked up the path, up the porch stairs. Tried the door. It was unlocked. Mr. Holliday. Hello, Connie. How are you? (laughs) It's all right now, Connie. It's all right. Come on. We'll get back to town. 
Sure, everything was all right. I drove the two girls back into town. They didn't say a word. I dropped them at the school and then had a long talk with Miss Ogilvie. It was later that night when Lieutenant Kling and I walked into the McLean home. Mr. and Mrs. McLean had called from the airport. They said they'd be home in a few minutes. Connie and Barbara were upstairs. Miss Ogilvie, Kling, and I sat in the big living room. All right, Holiday. How about the plot? Going to get with it? I think we'll wait for the McLeans, huh? There won't be anything in the papers, will there? Mm, that depends on Lieutenant Kling, Miss Ogilvie. Why me? Listen, I still don't know who pulled the snatch. Kling? Oh, uh, I beg your pardon, Miss Ogilvie. What I mean By is... By snatch, uh, you mean kidnapping. Yeah, that's right. You talk English. <laughs> oh, that'll be the McLeans. Miss Ogilvie, would you mind getting the girls down here? Certainly, Mr. Holliday. Connie, Where's I... my daughter? Where is she? Mr. McLean, my name is Holliday. I sent you and your wife that wire this morning. Where is she? Is she all right? Yeah, she's all right. She's coming down to... Mother! Connie! Daddy. Oh, darling. Oh, oh darling, it's oh, so Mr. Holliday, we're so grateful. So I can't tell you how much. Uh-huh, oh. well, we'll see. Connie? Yes, Mr. Holliday? Would you and Barbara wait outside? We'll only be a minute in here. Yes, sir. Come on, Barbara. Who did it? Who kidnapped her? You did. You and your wife. What? Mr. Holliday. What are you talking about? You're insane. No, I'm not. Now, listen to me. You have a daughter, but no one would ever know it. How often do you see her? Now, see here, Mr. Holliday. About once a year, you put her in a school and forget about her. Except when you think something's happened. Holliday, you can't talk to I'm me. I'm not like finished, I... Mr. McLean. That kid's lonely. And because she's, well, maybe you call it plain, she doesn't go out very much. Not many dates. I don't see what this is all about. You see, I talked with a psychiatrist today. Used a lot of fancy words, but they boil down to this. Connie wants and needs attention and affection desperately. She didn't get them here, so she thought of this scheme. Pretend to be kidnapped, get attention called to herself, and she'd come back with a story. She'd be in the limelight. And Barbara helped her because, well, because she's her best friend. Now, wait a minute, Holiday. We'd have torn holes in her story. She wouldn't have gotten away with it. I know, that's why I didn't tell you right away. That's why I wanted to handle it my way. If this had gone to the police, the whole thing would have blown up for Connie. It would have been a newspaper story, ridiculed for the girl. But this way, well, let's give Connie a break. And Barbara, how about it, Kling? I, uh... <laughs> oh, sure, I'm willing. Oh, thanks, Kling. You're a gentleman and a scholar. I'm a soft-hearted cop. Um, Mr. Halliday. Yes, Mr. McLean? I guess my wife and I didn't... Realize how selfish we really were. We, we thought we were giving Connie all she ever wanted. Yes, all but one thing. The one that really mattered. Affection. Oh, I want to thank you and Lieutenant Kling. And, well, now I, I think I'll start what should have been started years ago. Sure. But you've got lots of time. Mind if I, I cut in first? What, what do you mean? <laughs> you can start tomorrow. Meanwhile, I think I'll play this all the way, huh? What are you up to now, Holiday? Practice what you preach, I always say. Connie. Oh, Connie. Yes, Mr. Holliday? Everything's all right in there. Nothing to worry about. For you either, Barbara. Oh, you're wonderful, Mr. Holliday. Oh, Barbara. Will, uh, will you excuse Connie and me for a moment? Huh? Oh, well, sure. Well, I'll be upstairs, Connie. Connie, about that dance... Got a date for it? Oh, sure, sure I have. Connie. 
Connie? Look, I'm I'm just a little older than you are, and when I comb my hair and put on a tuxedo, I I look like I've been in the stag line a bit too long, but uh, do I get the date? You? Honest? We'll make a night of it. First the dance, then, even if it kills me, Smudgy Mary's for a special. Good time at the dance, Mr. Holiday. I was the belle of the ball, Susie. Everybody cut in on me to dance with Connie. Uh huh. <laughs> but you didn't tell me one thing, Mr. Holiday. What's that, Susie? What's a smudgy Mary special? Oh well, three scoops of chocolate ice cream, three strawberry, two vanilla. Oh. Slice four bananas and embalm them in pineapple syrup and lay them out neatly alongside the ice cream. Pineapple. Strawberry. Uh, let's see now. Oh, pour on two ladles of chocolate syrup, a huge gob of whipped cream. Mr. Holiday, I... Uh, wait. No, wait a minute. Wait. Then sprinkle with nuts with a few bits of shells left in and... Uh, what's the matter, Susie? I... I ate an awful big lunch. Good night, Mr. Holiday. Ellen Ladd appears through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures. Watch for him in his latest picture, Saigon. Box 13 is directed by Richard Sandville, with original story by Russell Hughes and original music composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. The part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker and that of Lieutenant Kling by Edmund McDonald. Production is supervised by Vern Carstensen. This is a Mayfair production from Hollywood. That's Box 13 with Damsel in Distress, starring Alan Ladd from January 9, 1948. Stick around. I'll give you our lineup for Episode 17 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on Episode 17 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange... We'll hear two comedy episodes of You Bet Your Life starring Groucho Marx, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>